This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region and hosted by yours truly, Phil McCabe. This show is, in my opinion, designed to share as many stories about mental health as humanly possible and really delve into what mental health means. And sometimes that brings us to investments in mental health, which is why I've got a a guest here. Before I introduce the guest, I'd like to talk about these investments in mental health. There was an announcement by the Ontario government that uh, there will be four mobile mental health clinics in Peterborough County that will service Peterborough County Kawartha Lakes and $36 million investment for mental health support for Indigenous communities. Now, again, I'm no expert on these things, but that's why I bring in guests. Joining me today is the Associate Minister of Health and York Region MPP, Michael Tobolo. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, Phil. Thank you for having me on the show. So right out of the gate, I just wanted to ask you, in your opinion, what is mental health and why is it so important? Well, I and and the, the the simple answer to that is that you can't be healthy as a human being if you don't have mental health. I have met many people that are in the the prime of their uh, physical uh, strength and 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 just you know amazing shape, and then uh, they have all kinds of mental health issues, and in particular, police officers, first responders. You know, we see high rates of suicide, and you look at them and you think, how can this be? They're physically fit; they're the prime of their lives, and yet they take their own lives. You know, mental health is as important, if not more important than physical health. And the reason I say that is that, you know, if you ever got a cut on your arm or broke a leg, you wouldn't hesitate to go to a doctor or to a hospital and get it looked after. But when something breaks in the mind, you know, it's, 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 it's fixable. It's not the end of the world. And we have a lot of people that have that still with that stigma associated with it, that you suck it up and you don't talk about it. And one of the things I've wanted to do from the very beginning is let people know that it's okay to not be okay. And you got to look after your mental health, not only your own, but think about your kids as well. That if you're suffering with anxiety or depression, trust me, your kids see it. They understand it. So you have to be healthy, not only for yourself, but for your loved ones. And it will come back to you uh, in, in very positive attitudes from them as well. When you work with them, when you talk to them, you explain to them situations. That's how we work with mental health is talking about it, getting it out in the open and getting the help that's there. And we can fix those issues. And I'm glad you say that because that seems to be a bit of a common thread on this show that everyone wants society wants communities as a whole to understand that there there's no need to suffer in silence we all go through these things we all have these experiences and you know it's important to seek out the support even if it's just something as simple as checking in with a friend and seeing how they're doing or something a little bit more complex like a mobile mental health clinic which brings us perfectly to one of these investments so What exactly is a mobile mental health clinic and how did this come to be? Okay, well, a mobile health unit is basically 
a physician slash psychologist's office on wheels. So it has an examination area and it has an area with couches. So you can sit and do single therapy, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy one-on-one, or you can do it in group. And the reason that it came to be is because when I became a minister responsible, uh, one of the points that everyone made to me was access. How do we get help to people around the province that live in remote communities or in rural communities? And one day I happened to be at a fundraiser uh, in Newmarket with uh, Rebecca Shields from CMHA. And she says to me, hey, Tobolo, do you want to see, well, minister actually, but anyways, hey, uh, minister, you want to see uh, something that we have working here in York, South Simcoe that might be of interest to you? And she showed it to me. I went on to this thing and I said, you know, the light bulb went off and I thought to myself, we need to do this in other parts of the province because I can't build, I don't have dollars. And I think, uh, Phil, you and your listeners will agree. If we spend money on bricks and mortar and having to build uh, places in some of the smaller communities, it's highly unlikely it's going to happen quickly because it takes years with planning and building and everything else. But if you have a mobile unit, so if you have a camp, like one of the large Winnebago style campers and you convert it and you put it on the road, it can visit multiple communities that have three to 500 people, even smaller communities like farming communities that people are very isolated and don't have those supports. And we man these uh, uh, units with a nurse practitioner who's also able to prescribe and a social worker. And in some cases, an indigenous uh, healer, because in some cases we're dealing with remote indigenous communities. So I thought to myself, I've got to get these into the province's uh, uh, structure, the infrastructure to be able to deliver services. And the first one that we announced was in Peterborough. And actually the four that we announced, only one of them is going to Peterborough. But I love the spirit of generosity in that community because they're fundraising for a second one because their community or their their geographic area is over, I believe, 18,000 square kilometers. So one one unit isn't enough there, but they're 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 working themselves and collaborating and working with community to get a second one. The other three are going to be positioned in other parts of the province. One of them will be announced tomorrow um, that uh, we'll be doing out in uh, the Niagara region. Um, and we're going to continue with these. And I'm sure the pilots will be extremely successful and bring us to the conclusion that four are not enough. And I, I, I kind of have that feeling already that we'll be doing more of these because again, there we, we know that the best results when you have a mental health issue are the delivery of services as close to the home of the individual. So by doing that, I, I believe we're going to provide supports to individuals, make them feel comfortable getting that help because it's going to be within their community, less of a stigma because they're not having to travel. They're not having to um, you know, stay overnight in some cases. Uh, they'll have the resources in the community and these units will be linked to the hospitals and to the other service providers that will be able to provide logistical and supervisory supports to the people providing services. Well, you kind of touched on it a bit there, but uh, I, I'll ask anyway. Do you think that if this project, if the these proposed bus uh, clinics, excuse me, see positive results, see, see they're being used, see that they're being beneficial to the community, do you think that generally speaking, uh, a provincial government will 
find a way to fit something like that in the budget going forward? Or is this uh, a one-off project that will make use of while it's around? Well, I, I'm going to make this statement, and I think you'll, uh, you'll uh, appreciate it. Uh, our premier understands the need for mental health supports to have a healthy workforce to be able to come through the pandemic and into recovery. He believed it before we had this problem because we've had issues of mental health and addictions plaguing not just Ontario, but Canada. You know, over 500,000 people every single week do not go to work because of a mental health and addiction issue. That was pre-pandemic. Today, I would bet you that that number is higher. So when you think of how many people are not functioning properly and how many people are presenteeism, as they say, at work, but not really there, you know, how much are we losing as an economy as a result of these issues? So we knew we needed to do something and we knew we needed to fill the gaps and, and create connections between the service providers that do exist. I believe our government will continue along this line. And I think because of the efforts that we've made, you know, Ontario now is investing over $525 million a year. And we'll continue to do that over the course of that 10-year plan that we had to invest $3.8 billion. Um, we're going to continue investing money looking after the mental health of the people of this province because we want it to be strong economically. And that's only going to happen if people are healthy themselves. Well, and that and that makes a lot of sense. I wanted to bring it back to the the conception of this idea because it really fascinates me, especially with you saying that it was uh, something that someone from KMH kind of put the bug in your ear about. Now, uh, I'll pull a quote from the press release I got that there's a multidisciplinary team of mental health and addiction service providers. Was that something that right from the get-go you knew you had to be a part of this project or was it just kind of, I know that we need some kind of service and it was just a happy accident that you were able to conceptualize this thing that had all of the services. Yeah, there's no happy accidents uh, in mental health. I'm not sure how much you know about my background. I, I was a practicing lawyer for 30 years. I spent 10 years running a uh, an addiction, a bed-based addiction treatment center. And in the course of the 10 years, uh, got to understand what the needs are in the community. I came to government to ensure that we built multidisciplinary teams and we operated in government in a multi-ministerial fashion. Because I think you'll agree with me, Phil, that it's not just about delivering mental health services. We've got to make sure that the social determinants of health are addressed when we deal with issues of mental health. We have to make sure that people have a job. We have to make sure that people have a roof over their head. We have to make sure that we give them the best opportunities at education so that they can further whatever their career goals are. So when you talk about multidisciplinary teams, this is not happening by chance. I've been put into this position. I'm also doing my doctorate in clinical psychology right now in addictions and concurrent disorders. I have a good working knowledge of the, of the, the system and what needs to be done. And of course, a, a, an educated person surrounds himself with people that are a lot smarter than him. So we have a lot of consultants, a lot of doctors, a lot of professionals, and a lot of people with peer-to-peer experience. Uh, I don't want to under, I don't want to miss out on that because there's a lot of people that have gone through addiction treatment or that have had a mental health issue that have come out the other side. 
those are our best advocates. They're the ambassadors of the system to ensure that the roadmap to wellness, our recovery plan for mental health and addictions has a strong foundational basis and that we are able to build on it. So we're calculating the things that we're doing. We wanna measure the outcomes, which is something that's never been done in the history of this province when it comes to investments in mental health. We're also very delighted to see that the federal government has woken up to the need to have a minister responsible for mental health. This will now allow direct conversations to take place between ministers responsible for mental health and that line become better defined between health and mental health. Well, and, you know, like you said, this has taken time, this has taken planning, conversations and so on. So let me ask you, in terms of these mobile mental health clinics, what, what's the next step after this? Just getting them in as many communities as humanly possible? Yes. And, and one of the things that we'll be measuring is the how many people are utilizing them, what impact it has on the individuals using them, and what can we do to supplement the work that these units are doing. So for instance, there's a lot of people that have diabetes, that have um, you know, high blood pressure, they have cholesterol. Uh, these uh, mobile clinics will be able to also provide education and help uh, deal with those issues. Now you might say, well, what's that got to do with mental health? If you talk to someone who's obese that has a, a problem with diabetes and he's trying to, or she's trying to correct the, the sugar levels in their blood, you'll know that there's incredible fluctuations. There's issues of depression and anxiety. So we want to make sure that we're providing at least some basic uh, education on those things. And then of course, uh, this is part of a continuum of care that's extremely important. Don't forget, we've also implemented internet-based cognitive behavioral therapy. Over 110,000 people are utilizing it right now uh, throughout the province of Ontario. We've uh, developed a structured psychotherapy program that's going to be available to every Ontarian. Um, I believe it's 16 sessions um, to deal with mental health, completely paid for by the province of Ontario. We are putting our money where our mouth is. We are demonstrating that we appreciate and understand the importance of mental health in the province of Ontario. We're doing something about it, and I am really proud. That'll do it for Mental Health Moments, one of the wonderful podcasts right here on Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. If you want to listen to us on the go, you can download any of our podcasts on multiple platforms. You can get it on Apple, you can get it on Spotify, you can get it on Google, you can get it really wherever you want. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. This has been Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to New Music on the Region, an interview-based podcast that showcases new music and provides industry insight. I'm your host, Christina Lavecchia, Music Director at 105.9 The Region. Whether it's a brand new talent or an established artist, we bring you conversations with performers from York Region and beyond.
What's Coming by local OBGYN and singer-songwriter Christina Dervatis. In October, Dr. Dervatis released her debut album called Overdue. The 10-track release explores the topics of midlife transition and personal growth. Dr. Christina Dervatis has delivered thousands of babies and has performed hundreds of surgeries. She's currently running her own private practice in Newmarket, splitting her time between gynecology and music. Christina joins me now to talk about her album, Overdue. Hi, doctor. Congratulations on the release. Hi, thanks. Christina's fine. I wanted to start with a quote by you that I came across. It says, we are all still writing our life story. We each have the power to push boundaries and explore new chapters in life. I'm a big believer in pursuing dreams and not the perfect image of perceived expectations. Is there a particular event in your life that made you want to start this new chapter as a musician? You know, this entire journey has been a bit of a surprise to me. And it turns out that I think this music project has been a dream of mine that was quite buried. And it wasn't until recently that I had uh, some changes in my career that I was able to have the breathing room to explore music in a more serious way. Um, So in 2019, when I made the decision to step back from my duties as a general OBGYN practitioner at Southlake Regional Health Centre in Newmarket, because my husband, Dr. Barry Atak, also an OBGYN at Southlake, was retiring. And so I made a shift in my practice uh, because we were just trying to balance uh, our work-life balance around Barry's retirement. That was a big step for me, and I shifted to private practice with a focus on contraception and uh, particularly intrauterine device insertion. With that shift in my work responsibilities, there became this new room in my life to explore music more formally. I had always been interested in music as a young child. I took piano lessons at a very early age, but it was really on hold until more recently uh, when I started uh, songwriting just a few years ago. It was meeting one of my music mentors, M. Griner, in December of 2020 that actually triggered the album project. I had connected with M because she was giving vocal lessons and she heard some of my music and actually encouraged me to think about pursuing this in a more formal way. And that's how um, I came to embark upon the project of recording an album. This is sort of a pandemic project that snowballs. Phase one of this project was me releasing some music on Instagram, which is how I met M. Griner. And then phase two was creating the demos uh, that became the foundation for the actual studio recording. So we began those demos in January of 2020 in part of the dark months of the pandemic in that wave that we were safe at home spending time. So that gave us a tremendous outlet and project to keep us occupied during those months. And then it was the spring um, of this year that we actually went into studio at Villa Sound in Hampton and recorded the final album. Your husband is the drummer on the album. Is this a project you always envisioned doing together? It's been great to work on this project as a couple. Barry has been a drummer his whole life. He was in bands from early on in high school. And of course, that was on hold as he was a, an obstetrician gynecologist and pelvic floor surgeon Um We really knew that music would be a big part of Barry's retirement, but we never had any idea that we would throw ourselves into it 
quite in this way. So that has been a happy surprise for us. And we really enjoyed performing on stage together at the album release concert that we did uh, in October in support of the South Lake Foundation. So it's been really a dream come true for us as a couple to be able to spend time like this creating music. And the album is titled Overdue. A little nod to your work as an OBGYN. Was that intentional? (laughs) Yes, of course, I couldn't resist um, an obstetrical reference there in the title. So obviously a bit of a double play on the title, making reference to the fact that this is a little bit of an overdue discovery in my life. The album was released on my 46th birthday, which isn't really a typical time that most people start off a music career or launch a debut album. But uh, really the theme of this whole project has been better late than never, you're never too old, you only live once, all of those sort of cliches that I'm actually really quite embracing uh, as I move forward with this new chapter. Overdue is a 10-track album. What can listeners expect? How would you describe your sound? It's um, a bit difficult to describe music. The best way to understand it is to listen to it, of course. But um, I've had lots of very kind and generous feedback in terms of uh, listeners comparing me to some artists that have been really influential in my career, such as like Sarah McLaughlin or Alanis Morissette. Um, I think you would classify the style as sort of singer-songwriter, adult contemporary Some of the themes of the lyrics throughout the album, uh, lyrics being really an important part of the music for me and how all of my songs first come to be, um, all of the songs of the album uh, first were born as lyrics. But some of the themes are just midlife and transition, embracing change, difficult decisions, and really exploring some of the themes around songwriting for me. Songwriting has been a really great sort of therapeutic emotional outlet for me in my life and so those are some of the themes I've explored in the song. doctor and a musician during a pandemic have their separate challenges. How's your experience been working within healthcare and the music industry at the same time? It's an interesting time for both um, of those avenues right now. In terms of my practice, I haven't been on the front lines, but I've had the great privilege of helping a number of women prevent unplanned pregnancy during uh, the pandemic. No one really wants a surprise like an unplanned pregnancy at any time in their life, but particularly during the uncertain times of the pandemic. So that's been a really rewarding aspect of what I've been able to do during the pandemic. In terms of music, it is sort of a questionable time to decide to become a musician uh, in that live performances have been so challenging until recently. But really, there's been so many ways to outreach online and to share my music in other ways. So I'm really just trying to embrace that, but also looking forward to uh, moving out into uh, more live performances in the months to come. And you recently released a music video for one of the tracks off of the album. It's called What's Coming. To check out the video, it's available on Christina's YouTube channel, Christina Dervatis Music. What was the inspiration behind that track? So um, that track, it's sort of a funny story because we actually added that track quite last minute to the album. Uh, I 
wrote it just two weeks before we went into studio and really we both liked the song so much that we decided to include it on the album and it became actually the focus track for the album. At the time that I wrote What's Coming, there were so many great things happening uh, with regards to this new music adventure and there was a little voice inside my head that was cautioning me and saying, don't don't get so excited. You know, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And all of these sorts of defense mechanisms that come into effect when something exciting is happening. Um, and so it was sort of an exploration of the challenge of allowing yourself to be in the moment and to be truly happy in the face of uncertainty. And now it's funny that since recording that song, when I listen to it, I'm also reminded of the challenges that we're facing now as we return to a sort of new normalcy during the pandemic that, you know, we're so excited to return back to normal or pseudo normal or new normal life. But, you know, it's difficult to let our guard down because there's still that uncertainty about what uh, lies ahead. So those are some of the themes of the song. And like you were mentioning, in October, you had an album release party with ticket sales going to South Lake Regional Health Centre Foundation. Do you have any other shows lined up? Right now, um, I don't have any large-scale shows lined up per se, but I've been performing in the South Georgian Bay area, and I do post regularly some of those shows and performances on my website and on my social media. So the website being christinadervatis.com and on Instagram, I'm at christinadervatismusic. And how can listeners get their copy of Overdue? So Overdue is available on all streaming platforms. So Spotify, iTunes, Apple, YouTube, wherever you listen to music. If anyone's interested in an actual good old-fashioned CD copy, I do have CDs made. And so um, if you connect with me via my website or social media, I'd be happy to get CDs into the hands of anyone who's interested. It was a pleasure speaking with you, Christina. Thank you for joining me on You Music on the Region podcast. Thanks so much for having me. This is What's Coming by Christina Dervatis on 105.9 The Region.
Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.